Welcome back. Oh my gosh, if you're here for the 25th anniversary episode of Presentation Thinking, thank you for being here. This is a big moment today and especially cool because we are going to open up the curtain a little bit and pull out the man behind the scenes, Will Comer. Comer? Hello. Yeah, Comer. Yes. Hi, guys. Editor Will in the house from ATL. Will, welcome to the show. It's me, Will, a.k.a. Presentation Thinking, a.k.a. The Audio Editor, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, a.k.a. a.k.a. <laughs> Will's too intimate with our intro to end our awkward yeah. introductions. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to laugh because for our 25th episode, I was thinking of all these like stupid things like, oh, Presentation Thinking can rent a car now. This is our quarter life century crisis. So we're bringing on our editor to tell us. Yeah what he's learned, what he needs, what we need to be doing better on and just get to know you. Yeah. Open up the curtain. I love when podcasts and producers bring on the people that are making it happen. And we're so grateful to you to both be listening to our ramblings and editing out the parts that, you know, are a little more embarrassing. So, you guys are an easy edit, generally, if it makes you feel better. That's good. I don't believe the, it. I, I know. I was like, I, 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 held, I felt some hesitation, but I, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. It's Friday. I'm feeling good. Will, you've been, I think like since the conception of this show, I was talking to you about helping us bring it to life. We had this idea for, you know, is it pitching ain't easy? Is it presentation thinking? But we know that in presentation design, we're starting to see that there's a whole lot more that goes into making a, a great persuasive communication than just prettying up slides. And and so we've tried to explore all those different facets and disciplines that we could pull from and learn from to make more like a 360 degree, you know, better presentation designer, presenter, you know, communicator. And so you've sort of been, you know, like along with us since the start. And I thought it would be cool today to talk about like how you think it's been progressing and um, anything else you've picked up on along the way, any lessons, but I guess before we start, do you want to tell us, like, give us your background and how you got into to podcasting in general? <laughs> yeah. So I went to SCAD also, fellow SCAD. Ooh, I Savannah. went for sound design. Yeah. Savannah and Atlanta. I did both. Wow. I man. was jealous of being the people who did Hong Kong, but yeah, did the Atlanta and Savannah and I did sound design there, which is not really podcasty at all. It's mostly like film and TV sound. And I proceeded to go out into the world and not use it at all. <laughs> uh, like, I love to do that too. I know, right? It's fun to not use your major. And I did all sorts of things. The first time I ever played with a podcast was when I wanted to do one of my own. So I like little niche art community I was part of. I thought it would be cool to have like a bulletin board community podcast for it. And I had microphones around and that's kind of how I got into it. So yeah, it's cool to have it as a trade now to be an editor, but I got into podcasting like on the other side first. Can you tell us the name of this uh, niche little OG podcast you created? The podcast was called Grounds Patrol and the community was Newgrounds, if you recognize that, like Flash Games Online community. Okay. So Grounds Patrol. Yeah. So that's, you can find that and hear me doing my intro for my podcast. <laughs> is it still I, going well? Is it still going now? Yeah. Nah. Okay. They, I actually ended up pivoting that to another one that was the same thing, but with other people. So it wasn't mm -hmm. just me. And then I, over time, just let myself be a member of the board of it and not really be active anymore. And it's still going, but sans mm -hmm. me. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good for, good for them and fun for you to like be a part of starting it off for sure. 
Yeah, it's cool. It's something I'm proud of. I like being, I like popping back into it and seeing it going and being like, I helped start that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun to kind of get this. Mikey and I had a previous podcast called Come Sell Away, which I do think is live somewhere if people go search that out. But I think one of the hardest things is consistent content. And I don't think I I think I was maybe freelancing with you at the time, Mikey. We weren't Mm -hmm. like totally full time and it can be a full time job. Like if you're putting out consistent podcast content. So I think getting past that, um, you know, even the 25 mark, here we are, quarter century, that I think that's, people say that's not a lot of podcasts get to that point. And once you yeah, pass that. I am proud of you guys for the 25 mark. I mean, like, Mikey, you remember, this was like one of the first conversations we ever had talking about a podcast and like, what's challenging about it? What's challenging about a podcast to me is keeping it going and mm. keeping the content flowing. And you're excited when you start it. And you might be excited when you do the first five episodes, but you're going to have one where you're sick or you're out of town or like you didn't find anybody to, and it happens and you just kind of keep chugging. And so like, that's what's hard. And for you guys to be going as well as you're going, I'm like, claps for uh, you guys. <laughs> it's thanks. Good. Yes. It's yes. All, Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Molly coming in has, has made the frequency happen, kept it alive and will I'm here for. with the, the dope edits. Um, <laughs> and shout out to Nono for the mm-hmm. amazing illustration work. Uh, we're about to launch a lot of it. So maybe we it's bring Nono together. on. Yeah. Maybe we bring Nono on for our 50th anniversary. Yeah. You know, another B yeah. go with not, Savannah. Not 50th anniversary. I, I don't think we'd be doing this for 50 years. <laughs> okay. Whatever 50th this. episode. Okay. So yeah, coming back to, yeah, you getting into this audio editing media. And I remember talking to you about this on our first conversation. I have a hard time editing audio because it's not, it's not visual. And like, there's a lot, there's so many like nuances and that kind of thing. It's so detailed. And I'm so grateful to you to do this piece of the project that we're making here at Presentation Thinking. (laughs) And is that, yeah, something you, would you say you have like a keen attention to detail? You think that's necessary with audio editing and uh, has that helped you is like, what's, what do you like about it so much? Yeah, I do think it's an attention to detail. When you do it after a little bit, you zone in on that attention to detail. So if you don't feel it, like that's okay. It's something that you kind of get your sea legs in at first. So there's a hard part of audio editing and it's not the cutting and editing. It's the processing of audio. That is what takes the science and takes a little bit of know-how of what this weird plugin and that weird tool do. You know what I mean? So like, When I say like the expertise that I'm really glad I had this sound design background and this kind of understanding of sound and the engineering of it, that's what that's for. Taking a microphone track that somebody recorded, making it sound big, making it sound great. If it's in a noisy room, making it sound like a not noisy room. Like that's the stuff that I think is good to hire somebody for. But the cutting, the like, I call it like the polish pass or the um pass, (laughs) (laughs) where you just scan the whole thing. You you start to listen to it in a really, really like, how do I say this? Just objective way. You're hearing somebody talking and you're almost not, your brain isn't processing what they're saying. You're just hearing the like structure of their words and their sentences. It's so like Rain Man, like in the zone. Like my fiance will make fun of me because when I am editing a podcast for a long time, then she'll come in and she'll say something to me and I'll be like, I didn't hear what you just said. (laughs) That's so interesting. You like hear the cadence of their ups and downs and and the, yeah. the spaces between the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you spend a solid two hours paying attention to only when somebody says, um, or, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> then when you're actually talking in real life, 
somebody will say something to you and you only hear the um and the uh. It's really weird. So what you're saying is that you haven't actually listened to the podcast. You've just heard okay, all of our yeah. ums and uhs. <laughs> what's this podcast about? Yeah, 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 what's yeah. this about I'm again? Really <laughs> That's funny. But that makes a lot of sense. Like I'm picturing, you know, I've seen lots of audio files and the blank and then the tiny little mountain for the um. And then you start going. And certainly when I'm making the pulling out some pull quotes or uh, headliners to use for promoting the cast as we start to do those more consistently, those are the things you cut to. And that's the hardest part is like finding that spot where it's like that's the natural cut without Mm -hmm. this person starting to come in and chat as well. Um, yeah. that's usually me. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny about those like waveforms that you're talking about, the visual that you look at when you do it long enough, especially for the same podcast, you recognize what the waveforms are word wise. I know what an um looks like, oh. like just in the, ma- it's like looking at the matrix zeros and ones and knowing where the Neo is. It's like, I know what your laugh looks like and what Mikey's laugh looks like. <laughs> In visual form. How weird is that? I that just like really actively tried not to laugh there because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's such a cool, like nuanced thing to learn. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm I have like so many follow-up <laughs> questions about that. So okay, do you even listen to podcasts like you created your own? Like what are some of your yeah, what are some of your faves and what do you think makes a setup for a good like podcast? Ooh. First of all, first part, like do I listen to podcasts? I do. I listen almost entirely to like structureless people, funny people talking and hanging out podcasts. Funny combos. Which is, yeah. Like things I listen to, if you've heard of the McElroy brothers, I listen to a lot of their stuff. My brother, my brother and me is one that's big. There's one called Three Bean Salad. That's three British dudes who are like in the comedy world and they just kind of take a topic and run on it. And within 10 minutes, they're not on the topic anymore. And they just talk about whatever. I've listened to them. Yeah. Which is funny because I don't work on anything like that. You know, that's a a far cry away from like something like this, which is more conversational, but still like an industry podcast about something specific. And the point is to educate people and like talk about something that we're learning together and not just jabbering about nothing. (laughs) And then what makes a podcast presentation work? Depends entirely on what it is. It's so many different media, depending on if it's just a dude's chatting about stuff podcast, which that can really be presented well if you do anything besides just make insight jokes nobody understands. Something that's interviewee, like you're interviewing somebody, that is so dependent on the interviewer's style. There are many shows out there that do it completely differently. And I'd say they all work as long as a presenter kind of knows what they're doing and is doing it on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Molly, yeah, that's a good, uh, I like where you're going here is curious how you got your first client, Will, to do, you know, actually working on, on podcast editing. It's mostly been word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I am historically somebody who, (laughs) funny for this podcast, has struggled with networking and finding the people and finding the clients. So it's been just a bit word of mouth and here and there, like, a friend of a friend wants to start something and they know I'm the person who edits and it goes that way. Yeah. So that's something I work on to this day is networking and like finding actual ways of getting clients that aren't just like sporadic out of right. nowhere. Yeah. The one-offs. And how many of those folks that you've worked with have started a podcast and then fallen off the train? Does that happen a lot? <laughs> it can. Yeah, it can. And it's, it can look like any number of things, whether it's just, you're not hearing from somebody or like, yeah, like we've talked about, it's hard to keep it going and people are busy. And a lot of times people with busy lives also do things that they want to make a podcast about. So, 
yeah, a lot of times it does happen and it's kind of like no sweat. You know, it's just part of the, it's just part of the art form. It's just people will try it and everybody wants to try it. And there's a, there's a chunk of the process that is something you want to hire somebody for. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I never take it too personally. It's just something that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, But as far as consistency for work, I totally get that with like the kind of the freelance life and wanting to get the predictable income and that kind of thing. And inevitably, no matter what background, how, no matter how creative it is, there is an element of marketing and networking that's always with you. Yes. And I'll say this, I'm not also, I'm not just a podcast editor only either. Yes. So I would probably be a little more uh, like scared if somebody dropped off, if that was my bread and butter. Right. I do other things and I can actually, Mikey, remember I, the way we found each other was I applied to Ghost Ranch as a graphic designer. (laughs) That's right. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. Designing. You are like, um. Sort of the full package. Jack like, of all media trades. Yeah, background in, in design, mm-hmm. even like experiential design, I want to say, like environmental, right? You were doing that uh, yeah, to some degree. I worked for a couple of escape room companies, which is yeah. a fun, fun <laughs> side tangent to spend another hour on. But Whoa, right. that's a different podcast. Special yeah. release. That'll be Patreon only. <laughs> yeah. Find out what goes into an escape room. Whoa, that's cool. Okay, Instant rabbit hole to, to, to go down there. But yeah, generalist is the... Worst title, I think. I hate that <laughs> title, but it's kind of what I am. <laughs> sure. That's great. So if you, apl- yeah, you applied as a, a graphic designer for Ghost Ranch, what was your interest in, yeah, graphic design? Like, do you do other uh, creative works for people? And what are, like, what is your kind of most common client, I suppose? If those aren't the, you know, you talked about the podcast you listen to and yeah. your client and work is a little different than that. Yeah. It. Completely depends. There is still a company that I do a lot of work for that's kind of my like most common job that I'll do in a day. It's in California and it's still it does escape room type immersive things. And they're they're kind of growing beyond that into other immersive experiences. Uh, and they're all different. So it's what I'm doing mostly nowadays is a cool blend of audio, graphic design, 3D work, mm. uh, and like some interactive coding things that I do too. Jeez. And I'm learning things every day. It's always about, yeah. I like being the kind of, in a kind of role where I can just like be tasked with learning something new and being able to do it well within a month or so. That's fun to me. That's awesome. And I do want to call out the fact that I know we, yeah, don't want to say generalist, but I'm seeing a piano behind you. Do you also play music? I do. Yeah. That's awesome. I uh, play piano and when I, and I used to play piano for theater. And when I was in California, I actually played piano for a children's theater group called Story Pirates. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but... Fun. Yeah. No. What is Story Pirates? Story Pirates is amazing. I actually bet if you were able to get the people up on their, like, onto this show, they would have a really cool story of how they started it. But this is a company that takes kids' stories from schools and they put those stories on as plays with actual comedians and actors and props and music and professionalism. That's fun. And they play it back to the kids. They'll go to a, a school and they'll say, you guys, this show you're about to see was written by Kevin right there mm-hmm. in grade four. Yeah. And that's Kevin's best day of his life. It's the coolest oh, thing. Oh, that's really yeah. cute. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in elementary school, we had to do this thing. It was during the Shakespeare unit and we took what we were assigned one of Shakespeare's more appropriate plays, the abridged version for sure, and then rewrite it to be um, more accessible for the younger kids in the elementary school. And then we'd perform it. So I remember 
I had like much ado about nothing. And I read, I wrote in a bunch of like Lord of the Rings references and like made, <laughs> made the character like obsess over Krispy Kreme donuts and that kind of thing. And yes. that was such a fun way to like, to this day, like I, I think it made Shakespeare more accessible. So I think those things are really interesting. Yeah. What a, what a fun thing to design for. Yeah. Yeah. It is really fun. Just wacky. And wacky. In, in, in improvisational. It's always improv mm-hmm. based. Everything's mm-hmm. based in improv. Have you done any improv yourself? I have. I've done a lot. <laughs> in college, I actually did that as like a sport almost. You know, SCAD has a huge improv team and set of teams. I actually like did the college improv oh my tournament. Gosh. Yeah. We got second national. Thank Damn. you very much. Are you serious? That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Gosh. And then so there's a theater here in Atlanta called Whole World Improv. And that's where my fiance Courtney and I met. I was the musician there and she was the house manager front of house and we were both also performing in it here and there and like Aww. yeah, yeah. It, it's I'll a big part of my music. life it's a huge part of my yeah. life yeah molly you also have a bit of a background in it right yes i would say that i did i did theater pretty much throughout my whole life i was like a paid child actor i did like a paid uh paid production when i was young and then obviously like into high school and stuff just did it for fun and yeah. did a little bit into college. I lived in Chicago for college and played my hand at improv, but Chicago is absolutely an improv city, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cutthroat, really intense. I have some friends that still do it, host their own shows and everything. But it was improv was the method that I struggled with the most because it's the most or it has to happen right then and there, really organic. And it's stressful, like, you know, if, especially if you you got to know you got to be in sync with your team and that kind of thing. And yeah. that was the piece that I never I liked it, but it would, yeah, stress me out too much. And I never, I never pursued it, but it's a really fun way to meet people. And it's an excellent way, even for, I'm just thinking in like office settings, when I was like getting to know people with my first job, those initial, like there, there'd be improv consultants that would come in for like the team bonding kind of stuff. And those (laughs) initial things to just, yeah, to just let your guard down and just go with whatever's happening is like very fun. And I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of people, but I think it's important to like feel that feeling of discomfort and be like, why is that so weird for you? (laughs) That discomfort, that's like mm -hmm. a a nut inside you that you have to crack. It really is like the almost the point of a, a corporate improv retreat or something is for the sake of breaking you outside of your comfort zone and feeling what that feels like. That's huge. I've heard those come up a lot. You see those all the time. Like even in our presentation circle, it's, you know, because like performance is is one of those many components of giving a great presentation, obviously. And so, yeah, I think that must be why, but it does seem like there's a really tight connection between presentation training and like, there's always going to be some some improv module, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially th- thinking on your feet or if fielding kind of the Q&A section of a pitch, right, Mikey, where you're like, that's all. I mean, yeah, you have like your pieces lined up for like things you're prepping, but like to a certain extent, that's all improv. And even like doing this sometimes, especially when we're getting started on the cast, you mentioned about your own introduction for your original cast, Will. And I find the introduction is the most, is that discomfort where I'm like, I'm trying to be a little bit funny and just get into a flow and yes. up until the first 30 or 45 seconds that we're talking and I'm like, I'm like, have that feeling again where I'm like, uh, is this right? <laughs> you know, yeah. like we're just getting into the scene, if you will. And how, like, how weird is it to present and announce to an audience of nothing mm. <laughs> to the, yeah. to the yeah. wall across from you? That's what I think is about podcasting is so weird, especially at the beginning yeah. when you're doing the intro, like you're saying, is like you're basically presenting to nobody. And you're like trying to, when you do a presentation, 
I say to the experts. I like there's people there, even if it's remote, there's people there who you're doing it to and your their response is important. When you're doing it to literally your own empty room, it feels like you're going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, totally. It's a weird psychological feeling. And at that, now that you say that I'm, I'm always sitting down, I'm curious to try and do different mm-hmm. methods where I stand up. Uh, maybe I'm like looking over my counter or something. Uh, they're just different ways to present and see how that feels in my body too. And <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, that's connected. I think we could do a whole nother episode on like body language and presenting. Oh, and yeah. I think there's so many more improv connections that I'm realizing in this exact moment. <laughs> oh yeah. I think oh, that's yeah. a perfect segue. I want to say that, you know, you've obviously listened to what will now be 25 episodes of presentation thinking. And have you learned anything from presentation thinking? If at the all. Answer, can you? Okay. <laughs> no, I think I have. First of all, the idea that storytelling is such a part of presenting is not something I would have thought of. And for this to be a storytelling analysis podcast in one way is really interesting to me. That's one thing that I feel like I can relate to a lot when when there's an episode is like, I'm not an entrepreneur who pitches things or has products I need to sell, but I watch movies and read books and I know what makes a story good. And so talking about that, like, I feel like I can, as like a layman, I can definitely relate to that. And learning about how much that ties into that process of presenting is really cool. Also, what else? There's the like, there's been a lot of talk in the last episodes about like, what is it? Your uh, commander's intent? Is that what it's oh, called? Oh, yeah. Yeah. From the <laughs> yeah, that was from one of the books Dick, we read. Yeah. yeah. I think that's come up in a few other things, too. And that's really interesting to me because it's like bedrock. That's something that you stick to as like a principle and everything can be based on that. And if you have to make a decision or something quickly, if you base your decision in that, it will be the right decision generally. I think that's cool. That's something I've kind of picked up. That's something that I think, you know, for listeners that uh, haven't gone back to listen to the Made to Stick book review episodes 14, 17, and 18, part one, two, and three, <laughs> you, nice. we talk about the Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath, where the commander's intent is your initial mission for your, yeah, whether it's a product, service, anything, intention for creating something and always sticking to that. And even if that means saying no to certain things, picking certain audiences, honing down your craft in that way. And that will help you succeed in the long run, find your audience, build an audience, et cetera. So that's something we're learning in real time. And so not only is it coming up in the interviewees, interviews we have with founders and the things we see in TED Talks and people that have been successful, but also like for ourselves to be like, okay, does this stick with presentation thinking as like storytelling, branding, founders and thought leaders just, yeah, again, I keep saying this, but yeah, throwing the noodles on the wall and seeing mm-hmm. what sticks. <laughs> and to say, and just, yeah, we just had a shout out, an organic shout out on Twitter yesterday from one of our favorite leaders with Bright Carbon, Richard Goring, if you're listening, we, again, um, slide into our DMs. We'd love to have <laughs> you on the cast. And that's, that's I think, she goes to show like what you're putting out there, as long as you're sticking with that commander's intent is, will eventually work, you know, again, we're only on episode 25. We'll see what happens, right? But mm-hmm. that's that's been something I've learned as well. Can I ask you guys a question? Give it, Will. So, oh, please. Yeah, I am curious about like how this process has been for you guys in making the podcast. So if we want to like go behind the curtain, there's three big parts of a podcast to me, and it's like planning it and putting it together. There is like the act we're doing right now of recording it, which is complicated. And then there's the distribution and the getting it out there. So on all three of those spokes, like, I'm really curious, how have you found that process? What do you like and what's hard? 
Oh, I love that. And I just wrote down those three steps as <laughs> yeah. notes to have in general. It's, it's film, it's, you know, pre-production, production and post-production. Yeah. Really. Yeah, exactly. Mikey, I want you to start with that as, as the person that, you know, had this idea, the light bulb that went off that this could be a thing. Yeah. Well, I've tried it and, and have stopped it because I got too busy with other things and I wasn't committing to it. Right. I didn't have like an accountability coach. And then we brought Molly on you know, basically January 1 of this year to really like give this full attention. And I think that's been the biggest difference maker for me is I'd say like my energy has gone 190% to just the recording component. And Molly's taking care of all the pre-planning thing. I'm just not a good detail minded person, you know? And, and so like just uh, having Molly, you in to come in and like, think about like, we'll brainstorm, but really you're the person of action, integrating, making this happen and, and lining up our next discussions, like coming up with outlines, everything like that. And so I'd say, yeah, I'd flip it over to you. Like I could talk about recording, but as far as the planning goes, I, I'd say Molly's just really helped us out there. Oh, thanks, Mikey. I would argue that you're absolutely a detail-oriented person. I think you are the founder and CEO of an entire company that, <laughs> you know, the podcast couldn't be a full-time spot for you. Right. And so I think that's something I've been really humbled by in the planning process is, you know, you can have a few good ideas, but unless I've talked to Mikey about it and been like, could, again, does this fit with our audience? What do we think? What are we actually intending to talk about with this Ted talk or podcast or book and planning that out to feel like you really are getting ahead of the weekly content distribution is tough. And it's something that we're, I think just now coming into being a couple episodes ahead, pre-recording and feeling like we've got a machine that is also has room for spontaneity of, you know, we have this cool connection and we're going to email this guy or we talk to some venture founders and winners that we want to bring on. And so allowing for both the stuff that we are planning for and room for the organic connections that we might make along the way. And so that's been something that I've both struggled with and I'm excited to get a consistent feel for, which I think is just episode 25. It's mm. happening. <laughs> and then as far as the recording and distribution, you know, the recording is the like the fun improv piece where I'm like, you know, kind of like wringing my hands a little bit, but then also like having a good time. And we get off of these conversations. I usually feel pretty like adrenaline rush and high energy because I'm like, mm. that was a fun conversation. Or, oh, I said, I said, um a lot there. And like, thank God I'm just sent it to Will to edit out. <laughs> and then and as far as the distribution, I think can be projected into this wider goal of presentation thinking in general, which the whole goal is to build a community. So not only we have the podcast, but we had a webinar, you know, last month for our first time and we want to build, we had a great attendance for that. We want to build out a community of press thinkers and storytellers that really connect to presenting in the deep way that we do and eventually have them kind of run the show as well, have their own groups, have their own. Yeah. Maybe it's a Patreon, maybe it's a Slack channel. That's something we're still looking into. So in distributing the cast and seeing the numbers go up as we listen, you know, we were up to like 38 unique listeners within the last seven days. Um, Mikey, that's the mm -hmm. new tracking number, nice. which is the highest we've had so far. And that's, that's really cool just to watch the numbers go up as you consistently put out content, get these organic tweets. And I think it just goes to show again, with consistency and the sticking to your commanders and intent, the distribution is just a matter of making it a machine mm -hmm. <laughs> going, going, going. Yeah. That's full. That's behind the curtain. That's how it's felt. <laughs> yeah. And like the, it seems like the more we, I think we went in not really knowing who the audience would ever really be. We think it's people who 
care about. We've worked with people at Ghost Ranch who we know like take presentations very seriously and those become some of our best clients and the people that we just can kind of like shoot the breeze with and talk shop. And we know that I've also witnessed the people who take it very seriously seem to be the ones who are on their track to CMO. Basically, if like if you're in marketing, we can tell like there's those sort of like entry level junior product marketers who really take those big, important presentations seriously. And yeah, I've just seen like they're the ones who kind of fast track and, and seem to have like a lot of growth. And so I, I think we were thinking our audience would be those those types of people, maybe marketers who or just business people who know the, the power of uh, presenting. But like back to your point, Will, of like, you know, as we started to call this the Storytellers Study Club and yeah. like that realization that, OK, every book you crack on presenting or article in Forbes or business, you know, Inc. talks about storytelling. And it, it's like, cool. We know that's important, but like, how do you do it? What, what is it? And there's lots, so much information out there. And I think like, I don't know, what do you think about this? Will, I'm curious, like your honest opinion, but I think right now our, our mode is to aggregate and just ingest all the information that's already out there because there's is an endless amount out there. Right. So I was like, would it be beneficial to a listener for us to just digest that stuff ourselves and spit back, hey, this is worth digging into? Or like, hey, we we read this thing and now we're going to read this other thing because, yeah, this is where they learned from. So curious if you think it's interesting or not for us to watch a TED Talk and talk about it or about like to watch a master's class and tell people what we get out of it as it relates to this storytelling and presenting yeah. thing content regurgitation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the secondhand right. information. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. I think it's also great to have it because that's something that you don't necessarily need a guest for. Talking about the machine and making an episode every week or whatever, having a format that you can go to whenever you need to that isn't based on something you need to rope together with guests and this and that, super important. And I'm really glad that you have it. I think stuff with interview guests can be more interesting just because it's something novel that you're hearing that's, you know, you're making a connection between you and the guest that's not there before. And I don't know, maybe some people will feel like hearing somebody talk about a book or TED Talk that you haven't heard yet might be like, I don't know, it's just, yeah, actually, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be unfair and say, I feel like I need to go do that first. Do you know what I mean? Because I do think you guys are adding value by like cliff noting it here and there. And we've called that... In the when Mikey and I talked about this recently, we talked we called it uh, primary content is when we have an original interview, like an original thing we're bringing forward that we've kind of created, and then this tertiary content is the what just exists on the internet and in the world that we can kind of consume and put our own spin on it, our own presentation thinking lens for content. Yeah, for something that's already there, we don't have to do too much turnaround with it. And I think that's important to a certain extent. But of course, I think as presentation thinking grows and we want to make more connections, it'll be exciting to create more primary content and mm -hmm. original content in that way. It's also that know the rules so that you can break them. Like, I feel like we need to make sure we've checked off all the boxes of all the intro level stuff out there before we start really defining and articulating our own maybe points of view, uh, which I think are budding and we have, we have some, but I almost just want to make sure we've done all our homework and continue to do that. But I'm with you on like the first hand interviews are super fun and like, and presentations you are someone. ubiquitous. Like everyone <laughs> has done one, given one, seen one. And the stories of how those went, I think can help 
many other people and, and be inspiring or good watch outs, you know, along the way. We're trying out a lot of different types of episodes too. So I think that's kind of yeah. an interesting thing. We've got a couple of series, a couple of book reviews, a couple of the TED talks, and then obviously the original interviews as well. So I think kind of analyzing those and something we want to do as well is create a couple of illustrated demographics of like, this is the type of person that's listening to this. Mm -hmm. And this is the, this is the founder that would be more interested in this episode. So kind of coming into our mm, almost six month mark of being consistent, we can start to analyze those a bit better and seeing the numbers go up is just exciting. So that's been really fun. Yeah. What do you, um, we're coming kind of to the end here, but I'm curious. Yeah. Do you, we're hoping to keep going obviously, and we hope to have you along for the ride as well. So is there anything you think that maybe we could be doing better or like a crazy idea you you've had while thinking of the cast that we could, we could elevate our game with? Um, as far I mean, I think you guys know what you're still working on and like, that's totally fine. I mean, nobody's audio quality is perfect in the beginning. Nobody's like mm -hmm. introing and doing ads and stuff is perfect in the beginning. And like, it's totally fine. I think you guys are fine on that. You're doing very well. Something I would like to see actually that I think would be fun. Yes, please. If there are Ghost Ranch employees who are down to do this, I think having like somebody else internal come on and share in the knowledge and add their bit of flavor to it would be really cool. Like if you guys end up doing a something about the illustrations on the PowerPoints, then like having Allie or somebody who Allie mm -hmm. or somebody like, you know, who does that to come on and talk about their experience. I'm curious. I mean, Ghost Ranch is a novel company to me. It's a company that does something you wouldn't initially think there's a company for. Right. <laughs> exactly. So niche. So, right. So like I, I would like to see a little bit of the inner workings of that as you guys go. I mean, what better people to talk to about the industry of storytelling and presenting than like people who work at a company that does it at a high level. That's pretty right, cool. Right. Love that. Would you have thought that there's a whole company for PowerPoint presentations? Mm -hmm. Not really. <laughs> and Google Slides. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought there would be somebody who would make a niche of it for themselves. I wouldn't have thought that there would be a, a whole like studio for it mm -hmm. or a company for it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you guys connect with so many people that, that need that and that want that and that value the service is really cool. Hey, you found right. something good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's such a cool thing we get to lean on for sure is like both the knowledge from all the rancheros, but yeah, absolutely getting their input and having a few of them join us for the Venture Cat conversations mm -hmm. recently and bringing them on is a great idea. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. Well, we'll definitely. <laughs> Pressure, Ghost Ranch people, do it. Do get it. in here. Yeah. Okay. I know. I think I know what time it is, Molly. What time is it? It's the spice cabinet time. Woo. Oh boy. Spicy sizzle. Famous. It's the Ooh. iconic spice cabinet. I want to get a little fajita sizzle sound for that, you know, a little like chilies. We got to do a little stinger or something for that. We can't just say it's time for the spice cabinet. There's got to be like a little transitional. It could be grease popping from the pan. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Something like spicy. You're right. We're curious. You've told Okay. You've given us a few podcast recommendations. Was curious about your favorite podcast. Do you have like a pet peeve listening to podcasts that you're like, oh, this will absolutely get me stopped <laughs> listening. Like for anyone, any Prez thinkers listening that I'm sure have dabbled in the podcast creation world. Maybe there's something they should steer away from. Pet peeves. Hmm. It, they're, they're so different that I can't feel the same way about all of them blanket. But I'll tell you this for like interview for interviewing podcasts. One thing that is a big pet peeve of mine is when an interview, and you guys are good about this, you don't do it, is when an interview says, 
Okay, and um, that leads me to my next question, which is blah, 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 blah. Or basically I something I do that sometimes. The- <laughs> I think I do that. Well, you do that. If you do it, you don't do it in a way that's not listening to what they've said, because that's what you that's what that person would be doing is like when you when they answer a question, you go, OK, yeah, cool. Um, so that leads me to my next question, which is something completely different. And obviously mm-hmm. this isn't a conversation. This is a job interview now. It's how gotcha. I feel when I hear that. It's like, OK, they don't have space to talk about what they're interested in. They're here to fulfill your like fill out form of questions. And that's it. so right. Like for me, it's an interview on your schedule, but it's a conversation. It's not an yeah. interview, right? If mm-hmm. it was an interview, then you wouldn't want to listen to it because interviews are awkward. It's like a first date. Yeah. It's a conversation you're having with somebody and mm-hmm. you have icebreakers and you have, maybe you have topics you want to talk about, but you got to be savvy enough to work it in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's a pet peeve is when they just go, okay, good. Next. Yeah. I totally know, <laughs> know that format and I've heard it and then yeah, stopped listening. Yep. You yeah. can feel the staleness, I think. Yeah. And something we've done previous to having an initial like informal conversation, as we call it on the podcast, is send someone like a bulleted point list as we sent you. It's like, here's some things we might want to chat about, but don't make it an itinerary. It's not. It's just a it's just a launching pad. You know, it's not a t- it's not a checklist. That's perfect. Yeah. And it's not beloved. You know, it's like, don't feel like you need to get every mm-hmm. question done. Because that's going to lead to a boring two-hour episode because somebody talked about something they're interested in and you felt like you had to get the last three questions out before you ended. True. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Kill your darlings, you know? Yeah. That always works. Okay. You know what we're going to ask you. What is Will Comer's walkout song? Oh, boy. You know what really made me laugh was I just edited the Inferno Guard episode and that guy's story about how he did like sort of an like a in college presentation about something and he came out to like all I do is all win. I do is win. I would I would choose that. And not just because I already have it on my computer and I can just throw it in because I'm also <laughs> editing this. If I am coming out to do a speech on podcasting, I kind of have no idea like it had to be like a sound Sound of Silence. Mm. Sound of Silence. Simon and Garfunkel. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Sound of Silence might win the award for worst walkout song ever. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And you just slowly <laughs> come to a stage. That's a- and everybody's like softly crying. Right, right. I love it. There is not a more devastating song potentially in the Simon and Garfunkel canon, at least, for sure. <laughs> Molly, are, what's the, uh, yeah, what's the <laughs> alive or not situation for Simon and Garfunkel? We can assume they're both dead, right? Don't look it up. Okay. All right. Hopefully they're alive. Yeah. Um, I had a f-ing question, Will. We want to make this um, a, f-ing, a show that our <laughs> clients could listen to when their kids are in the car. Yeah. Um, and you've, yeah, dude. you've done a good job. I personally think f-ing bleeps are funny. So do you think we should just embrace the, we should just have you bleep out? Because I kind of think that's funny. And then we get the uh, parents safe, right? Yes. Does that make a lot more work for you? No, it's a two-second process. Yeah, as much as you want. family friendly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great. Good, I'm gonna load them up know. now. <laughs> now that's a spicy segment, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the cursing yeah, exactly. zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I've said shit before. I think, um, but I, I don't know. Depending on how hard this gets edited, that whole segment we just did might just be a big old. <laughs> you, <'cause> you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's good to know. I wanted to, yeah, just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, we've 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 oscillated back and forth, but we want to be like a cool, you know, it's an industry podcast, but it's also 
informal conversation, as you said, right. and like we don't want this to be stale. So we, yeah. if it, if we have to mark it as explicit on Spotify, so be it. <laughs> I don't think you have to. Yeah. You're good. Talking explicit podcasts on Spotify are pretty dang yeah, explicit. Yeah. That's going to be its own. We talked beast. about a Pixar yeah. animator, you know, come on. It's family stuff. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Last question. Just wanting to know as a plug for yourself, where can people find you? Are you accepting new clients? You do such awesome work for us and truly would recommend to anyone. So do you have a, do you have an email or an Instagram we can drop in the show notes? Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm definitely accepting new clients. If you've heard this and think that you have a podcast in your head, you want to get out into the world. I want to hear about it. So wkmr.audio at gmail.com. Simple that as that. Sounds like yeah. shoot me one. The smooth like color, you know, coloradopublicradio.com. Yeah. WKMR. <laughs> I yeah, know, right? That's great. W. That's my actually just way of shortening my name that you don't have to spell mm -hmm. Comer for. But I know. Welcome to WKMR. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so good. good. Perfect for the Oh uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I can fully give two if I had four thumbs up, I'd do it. Will, you've been awesome. You're so easy to work with, and we think Aww. you add so much to the show. So thank you for getting us to 25 episodes. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you, guys. It's a fun show. It teaches me a lot, and ah. it's fun to edit. That's and, you know, funny. you're not that bad. At <laughs> yeah. Good to hear. You heard it here. 25th episode. We'll bring you back for the 50th and see where we're at. Yeah. Yes. The 50th anniversary, yeah. right? I'll That's see right. you when we retire or well into retirement. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Presentation Thinking with Will Comer, our amazing editor, Mikey Maduski, the PowerPoint Ooh. guy, and me, Molly, just, you know, the median, the middleman. All right. <laughs> Keep on pitching, y'all. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>